I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're, you're really going to need to start a new TVP fashion podcast. <laughs> drop it on a Tuesday morning and fucking drop me as your guest as well. <laughs> but some advice before you launch it a pristine white formal shirt paired with a pair of fucking cargo pants is never a good look tim sherwood here you're listening to the villa podcast that morning sky gave me a look so i left while you were sleeping that's all it took Way back in December 2021, Aston Villa gave Man City as good a game as they got all season, to be frank. Unfortunately, they lost 2-1, but remember that night, remember the atmosphere, place absolutely bouncing. That's the night Jack Grealish came on, and all you could hear for the last 10 minutes of that match was Villa till I die. And there was a real sense of pride coming out of that match, and it was a sense of things to come from a new manager who wasn't long in the job, but it was like, wow, if we can rattle the soon-to-be champions again like that then we're going to go places then in may they went two nil up against man city when and they were full value for that as well and this was against a city team that that had to win frankly like they had to win to make sure of the title because it turns out in hindsight liverpool also won and then tonight tonight we come into this match and there's more structure there's more bite everyone's chipping in with the work and then eventually what comes from that is is confidence and we start playing more balls the game wears on and we get a big result off a big performance big vibes around the stadium by the end of the game again basically what i'm saying is can we play man city every week <laughs> uh, yeah it was it was such a such a strange performance from both teams do you know that that classic anxiety or stress dream where you're, you're about to sit an exam on a subject you've never studied before like that was that was Pep Guardiola's life today because he and Man City looked like they weren't prepared for any resistance at all and they, they sat down flicked open the paper and the the questions might as well have been written in Sanskrit and do you know what man? I wasn't prepared for it either yeah I have absolutely no idea where that came from because and we might have covered this in the last few episodes once or twice we have been quite bad yeah. Like, you know, 
game plan, no direction. <laughs> but more to the point, and even more worryingly in the longer term, no fucking desire from the players. Yeah. So to see put in a performance as disciplined as that, as hungry as that, was so heartening. And it was out of absolutely nowhere. <laughs> and to withstand the initial pressure, I mean, Man City were all over us like flies on shit, with Man City very definitely the flies in the first, first 30 <laughs> yes. minutes. But that, that made our eventual one-all win all the more <laughs> enjoyable because not only did we did we have the weight of the last six months of dismal form bearing down us, we started the game really poorly against a team expected to hammer us. I mean, the first 30 minutes, we were absolutely dreadful. We looked like we were we couldn't string a a daisy chain together, never mind three passes. We did, we, did, we did everything we could think of to give the ball back to Man City, which I wouldn't typically recommend. But luckily enough, Man City are shite. There, I've said it. Like Saudi, Saudi Arabia managed to go 3-1 up against them, and Crystal Palace would have won the game if toe poking a pass away from someone wasn't considered a foul for those 10 seconds of that game. And if Man City hadn't turned on their fucking cyborg for the last for the second half of that game as well. But like, you know, the ball boy had more touches than we did in the first 30 minutes, and City created fuck all really. Like plenty for Pep Guardiola to chew on anyway, so maybe he can stop chewing on his own spit. <laughs> because when the when the worst attacker in your squad squad costs a hundred million and the best they could come up with is that is that, that's a bit worrying. And of course, though, it was down to the shape, the tightness, the determinations, all the things we wouldn't associate with this Aston Villa team. Absolutely brilliant. That was the beauty of it, because I think, well, I think in the build-up, everybody just assumed we would have the floor wiped um, and we would be the mop in that case. And, <laughs> and you know, nobody, there's nobody being called out for that now. Like it, it's like that's the way it usually goes for teams against City and especially us. And, well, not Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa against City, but... Like I think coming into the match as well, some of the most annoying thing was the predictability or what you thought was the predictability of how limp we'd be and how rudderless we'd be. And it wasn't that at all. And it very much was a 1-1 win because I think to go from where we were at the start of this game tonight, so from 5.30pm tonight and how we were all feeling to whatever time it was when the full time blew and the crowd staying behind and everyone roaring and the cheer. Like I, I didn't think whatever happened in this match would be able to turn things like that in 19 minutes. Like, like, you know, Leicester and Southampton are coming up there. They're the two most important ones. Now there's four favorable enough fixtures that now need to be targeted and we need to see something. But like to go in the space of 19 minutes from uh, like it was, it was the doldrums. Everybody just given up and people, had suggested and we were definitely suggesting this as well that you know there's there's disconnect between the team and the fans and the manager and this all sort of came together in one good heartening performance and and you know like we were at a stage actually where Sky Sports who are paying money to like paying ridiculous money to show Aston Villa they'd given up on Aston Villa as well they didn't even put them on Sky Sports main event. Like they were, they were consigned to Sky Sports Premier League channel because the twenty twenty two women's hundreds, like Sovereign Brave versus Oval Invincibles, was picked ahead of Aston Villa versus the Champions of England. Like that's where we were, and to go from that to to where we finished up, I think is a victory. Absolutely, and to, to the most important thing is towards the end of that game, we were the team who looked like we were gonna win it. We were the team with the chances, with the aggression going forward. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, and look, we're going to talk about why we should have won in a second, but let's go through the two goals of the game. So 1-1 result, 
Um, I don't know if anybody listens to this about knowing the results. That would be weird, but I felt like <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened, the game finished one one. If you haven't watched, yeah. um, avoiding the result of the game so we get the top of this show, make it more exciting. <laughs> yeah, surprise! It was a draw. Um, yeah, so Bernardo Silva to De Bruyne. De Bruyne is going down the right now because you know Ashley Young has spooked him. He doesn't want to go on the left anymore. <laughs> Everybody's trying to stay away from that side, especially the way Ashley Young ended that first half as well. Fucking hell, where did that come from? You're talking about? I assume you were talking about Holland as a cyborg. Like it was like it was like Aston Villa turned on the Ashley Young cyborg, and he was just <laughs> wrecking everything that came near him. But um, actually, it's a good cross from De Bruyne and, and Holland's there at the back post. I think. Oh, I don't know who it was, but somebody on commentary suggesting that only Holland could do that. Was Dion Dublin after? Only Holland could do that. Like, Emmy Martinez, thankfully, in his interview, called it a tapping, which it very much was. Yeah, like, I don't really know what you'd do differently about that from a Villa perspective, except maybe have watched Man City play in the last couple of years. Like, I don't, I don't really think Martinez is. <laughs> I don't really think Martinez's footwork is good enough. And Toy has nobody followed Haaland. I mean, he's got pretty good instincts. If you don't know where the ball is going to end up, follow Haaland. Just follow Haaland and you'll not go too far wrong. Mm. And it's it's not a great ball from De Bruyne. He's just dinked one into the back post without looking because he's been programmed to do that. And everyone else in the team is at risk of their fucking circuits catching fire from repeating the same dart and run to the back post as well. (laughs) Repetition works. Congratulations. Yeah, that was part of the reason. There was coaching Haaland before he joined City about like how he just saw, or maybe it was just after he joined City, but he just saw this same move developing over and over, and he thought, yeah, look, I, I should be there to bang in those goals. Like, you know, that looks that looks very easy. It looks like I'll get a lot of goals, and yeah, look look at that. He's got ten goals in six games. But um, the second, like the the equalizer of the match, Aston Villa, the one that lifted the lid off the place and it never went back from there. In fairness, Jacob's second ball, Ramsey. Ah, oh, like <laughs> this guy picking up those bricks in midfield. Is there a better sight in football? And like, I am not like using hyperbole there. Like, it's just something magical about the way he bursts onto those balls, traps it under his foot, and bang, explodes forward, direct, purposeful, powerful. Obviously, um, wins that ball midfield, drive forward, lines up Rodri, makes him look like Glenn Whelan. <laughs> <laughs> Rodri on his heels there Ramsey just breezes by him gets it onto his left perfect ball across and Bailey gets it Bailey gets it it's a perfect ball across and he knows that the pace has been looked after by Jacob's second ball Ramsey and it's just all he has to do is wrap his boot around it and he does it and he just watches that bad boy fly into the top corner and Ederson's face like when when you saw the shot in front of Ederson for the replay in slow motion he knew, he knew he was done. Like his face was just defeated as that ball was whipping by him. Yeah, absolutely. And how is Rodri not ready for the Ramsey shuffle? I mean, where's the fucking respect there? I was talking about Villa not having seen Man City play. I've seen that seen JJ play. If yeah. JJ's got the ball, then get on red alert. And this is this is really where you see the difference from young players who will make it and the ones who won't. It's the composure on the ball and the decision making. We'll come back to his Rosenthal moments. Yeah. But, <laughs> but to, get, to get into that position at the edge of the box against Man City, 1-0 down, and to have the composure to think two steps ahead and drive past Rodri. Rodri as well. And to play the ball back to Bailey and to check that it's still on before he plays that pass. Mm-hmm. Starboy. 
and mm. Bailey's finish is spot on. But when you score every game you play, sure, <laughs> you're well used to caressing the ball. <laughs> yeah, and look, Conan. Pep should have definitely been ready for this because Bailey stepped out at the cat in the bag last week when he told everyone, but we got away with it. Yeah, justice for Craig Butler. Craig Butler going up in the diamond meter. <laughs> <laughs> Word class out of every move, hard to argue. Um, Stefan picked up, I know Carragher was talking about it on commentary as William Gerrard's celebration and then stop. Uh, Stefan on Twitter said it was uh, an impression of the Alpine club. So remember the Hassenhutl celebration and an immediate halt. <laughs> I think in fairness to Jared, it was just like, we're about to take that boy off. <laughs> let's, let's stop that. Let's keep him on for another 10 minutes and see what happens. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The Coutinho goal. So this game should have finished 2-1 in fairness to Aston Villa. Um, although you know, Man City do seem to react pretty well to going behind. So maybe just keeping him at 1-1 was the best, the best scenario. Uh... Watkins, I think Watkins has made a bit of a balls than it. Watkins is brilliant tonight, but he's just played it too late to Ramsey. You can see it. Like I'm talking about, is there a better side? There's Ramsey coming on, dude. You know what's going to happen there if if Watkins plays it. Now, Watkins might say, what the fuck are you talking about? I played him a perfect ball. <laughs> <laughs> just moments before. But that's the one there where Ramsey just whips him in the top corner and the keeper doesn't move. That gets added on to the Twitter thread that we have going of goalkeepers just rooted to the spot, watching Jacob Ramsey balls fly past him and uh, Watkins just doesn't play at him quickly enough and then by the time he does like, it's, it's, it's too late and <laughs> somehow they've decided to continue his offside right he's not offside and <laughs> and also there's a, a maximum three seconds between Philip Coutinho coming around getting that ball and whipping it he fucking he decides to whip it into the top corner now when it's not going to count <laughs> the first time he finds that top right corner for Villa and it's rolled out but it shouldn't have been rolled out he wasn't offside and why have they suddenly stopped letting the move finish and then we'll just see like let's just let's just wait and see one player's had the ball since then and within seconds he's ripped it into the top corner nothing would have changed about that move real real injustice and I just felt like it wasn't being spoken about enough. Like I was thinking, if that was Man City, if I'd fucked them over out of points, if it was anybody going for a title challenge, like th- th- that would be the, the thing to be talking about for the next 10 minutes during the game. And then all we'd be seeing afterwards and all the all the social media posts and everything now would be about that. Like the, Villa were screwed out of three points and a massive win. And this was Gerard's best result probably for Villa. He still hasn't gotten a win against any of these teams, these top six teams, but like that, like he probably should have tonight. Yeah, so many things wrong with it. The media coverage is, is, is the smallest one, but it's big as well. Uh, like He's not offside from the initial pass, but the biggest howler is why has he not waited the three seconds? Yeah. The, the, does he think the chance is gone because Phil Coutinho is carrying the ball out to the edge of the box? Yeah. like That's his comfort zone. That's where he wants to be striking the ball from. Is it another a fuck, fucking assistant ref who has no interest in the sport? And look... That's probably just a nice to have. The bare minimum I would expect is that they know the rules. At this level, you know, the pinnacle of the sport, you think you'd get both. But I'd settle for the assistant ref just knowing the rules. And yeah. what other career would you get away with this basic nonsense? Imagine 10 years in having to having to explain the ingredients of a lasagna to a chef. <laughs> like, I, I know this is a newish rule, but it's one that requires you to not act. So it should come a lot easier. Don't raise your flag. Don't put curly whirlies into a fucking lasagna. It's really, really basic stuff. <laughs> like how, how often though have we seen? 
have have even commentators mentioned? Oh, they could have raised that flag earlier because they've they've held it down for so long. I think that's the biggest sense of injustice that I feel now. It's like they they've they have been disciplined and and not raising the flag even in occasions when we all know it's offside. They're just saying, oh, well, just in case we'll keep it down. And now, fucking fifteen seconds later, I'll put it up after everybody's run unnecessarily. So a lot of defenders sometimes will be pissed off that they've had to absolutely bust their balls to get back, and he's going to raise it anyway. But in this occasion, two seconds, it's up ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like all the defenders sprinting back at danger of pulling their hamstrings, and then he just raises the flag anyway. Once the person gets within nowhere, you know, gets nowhere yeah. near the ball, it's it's so, it's so frustrating. He's still he's got the ball, he's got the ball, and he's dancing around the edge of the box. The chance is still live. It's unbelievable. I, I really, I really can't understand what he's done there. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's um, it was a frustrating one. A good performance, good results. So that's not taken away from. But uh, Jesus, it could have been so much more, and it could have been a. Uh, it could have been a lift off for Coutinho because I do think he's probably been, he's been definitely not been great the last few weeks, but I think it's sort of tarnished what it has actually been like over the last, say, 15 games when I thought he was getting hard done by when Villa weren't going well. I thought Coutinho was still, we talked about this before, he was still setting up a lot of chances that weren't being taken. And it's just been the last handful of games, really, where he really hasn't delivered. And that could have just brought him back onto the level where I think he already was. But um, maybe it will anyway. Maybe he now remembers how to hit that top right corner, and we'll see more of it. Yeah, I think continues big problem over. Continues had two big problems over the last couple of months or last you know ten games for Aston Villa. One of them has been Emmy Bundia has been brilliant when he's come off the bench. Yeah, and the second one has been that people watch football through Twitter feeds, so his numbers <laughs> his numbers haven't been there. But like you said, he's created a lot of chances that weren't taken by his teammates as well. So, yeah, he doesn't get an assist or a goal, so he must have played shit. <laughs> yeah, you say people watch it through Twitter feeds. I mean, some people come to this podcast, they find out the results. That's how bad it's going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll go to WhatsApp wings. Only one fine to hand out, and I wonder, should it even be a fine? I'm actually considering it being a bonus. I need your help on it. Um, Tyrone Mings, innocuous enough uh, case now in the first half. The ball is rolling down the left wing, so he's going towards his goals. So he's obviously facing the, the pitch is to his left now. He's running down the touchline. Um, and it's not like he kicks it for touch. We always talk about how often the Tyrone Mings kick it for touch today. This time he just lets it go out. So he, he could he could play the ball with his right to Kanza, who's free. And he just doesn't do anything in the end. And then, and then I started wondering, is he just not taking that risk? Like, I have to play this in my right foot back to my centre half I haven't really checked what's going on around me fuck it I'm just going to let it go out of play you know <laughs> I, I don't like it but then I'm also wondering like you know maybe he's been on the Peter Enkelman what the fuck award too often that he's just thought I'd rather just take the week's wages <laughs> so you're giving him praise for not having looked around is that what, is that what you're doing there that's essentially <laughs> what it all boils down to he hasn't I'm looked saying. around so he's let it run out of play fair play to him I'm that's, saying that's progress. You should be fined a week's wages for that sort of fucking carry on. I think that's gonna that's gonna make Aston Villa better praising players for not looking around. He hasn't a clue what's going on around the pitch. Fair fucks no. to him. I'm saying he was at one point and now he's at a different point. And like yes, we'd like <laughs> to get to another point, but it's progress. It's it's movement. Yeah, it, it, to be fair, Tyrone brought this into his game about 18 months ago where he just started, you know, not taking any chances, just knocking the ball up against the advertising horns. He, 
even when he had a bit of time, you know, if he was on the sideline, he would just kick it with his left foot out and jog back into position. And I've always thought it was often needless, but maybe he he doesn't agree. <laughs> Obviously, he doesn't agree. Obviously, he would prefer to. He's made enough money at this stage of his career. He can afford to take a few. <laughs> I think he should be taking more risks. He should be risking getting fined. Yeah. The first WhatsApp wins, this has an AIDS bill, such as WhatsApp. Um, I wrote this last night thinking, oh, God, I'm going to have fucking fun with this one. And I wasn't happy when I opened up my social media last night. Why is my manager Instagramming an ice cream pizza shop the night before they play Man City? <laughs> you probably haven't seen this. I don't think you're on Instagram. Steven Gerrard. Steven Gerrard, the manager of Aston Villa, 8 o'clock last night at least, is in a place called the Other other u-d-d-e-r guys and he's just taking pictures of ice cream all right what do you, what do you want him to be doing like so, so long so, so long as he's not getting these players to eat this at eight o'clock before the game that's absolutely fine he's the manager man city. man city are coming to town mate he's not playing <laughs> like i say it has an age well if they had a loss i would have said this was a distraction yeah, but uh, he, he's not playing, so what he eats is irrelevant. And also, he knows exactly how Man City are going to play. That's the really frustrating thing about anybody who loses to Man City. They all know what they're doing. <laughs> well, actually, that brings me on to a, a better WhatsApp whinge. And I think I might have talked about this before. Why can't you just pass around Silva, Haaland and Foden? It's Silva, Haaland and Foden, for fuck's sake. Yeah. If, it, it, look, look, if I told you to pick a five-a-side team, and or sorry, if I told you here's a five-a-side team, it's Silva, Haaland, Foden, De Bruyne, and a keeper. What would everybody say? Oh, you're missing, you're missing some defense in there. But for some reason, like these boys are enough to freak everybody out. Just like have a bit of fucking trust in yourself as a footballer. You're better than those than those boys are at tackling and closing you down. Yeah, and that's why that's why the first thirty minutes were so frustrating because we were doing exactly what you don't do against Man City. And how many times we've played against teams like this as well? And you know we'd be standing there beforehand, two GA lads in our team panicking because these lads are doing fucking round the worlds and catching the ball behind their neck and all. Like, oh Jesus, these guys look good. No, they don't. They look like they can dribble the ball. They look like yeah. they can do keepy uppies. We're about to play a different sport here. We're about to just pass it around them. We're just going to keep the ball until they fall asleep. Because they can't fucking defend the same yeah. way they won't be able to defend if you pass it around them. I don't care how good their pressing angles are. They'll fall asleep. Just keep the ball. Have a bit of courage. Yeah, they're quick. They're aggressive. And they've been coached well on how to press. And they press together. But pass the ball into each other's feet. You might as well lose the ball trying to fucking keep it. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that New City, Pep, don't, don't deserve praise for how they've installed this and <laughs> installed into people's minds as well that they have to freak out but I'm just saying it's Silva, Haaland, Foden it's De Bruyne just running around doing whatever he wants like they are putting a bit of pressure on but you can definitely step inside Douglas Louise, Kamara, McGinn, Ramsey, Konza, Mings all these boys Dinga, Cash they can all step inside and burst away look at, look at fucking Alan Hutton remember we loved him because what he did was just realised that every winger trying to take the ball off him was shit to tackle him and he just mm. started he just brought this into his game during his Villa career late in the twilight of his career I'll just cut this inside and fucking drive and this boy will let me by because he's shy at defending 
Yeah, if someone's sprinting at you, it's very easy to sprint around them. That's, that's it's so basic because it's so difficult for them to change what they're doing. Yeah, simple stuff that we just did absolutely terribly in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, uh, three word WhatsApp wins here Cancelo number seven. <laughs> if Cancelo came to me and said he wanted the number seven jersey, I'd fucking transfer list him. <laughs> It is, it is a bit fucking. It just doesn't look right. Cancelo is a brilliant footballer. Um, he's earned his reputation at Man City, or he, I don't know what, what the standing is in the changing room, but he deserves to be right up there as one of the alphas. But he doesn't fucking deserve number seven. He's playing fullback. <laughs> he's playing fullback, but I think a lot, a lot of the time people don't realize this, and Cancelo doesn't realize it as well. Like he's not as good at striking the ball as everyone seems to think that he is, especially yeah. from the edge of the box. How many times do you hear the commentator saying Cancelo can hit them? I think he had a purple patch last season of about a month where he scored a couple of goals from the edge of the box, and now this <laughs> has just persisted, and it's persisted in his head as well, which must fucking dement everyone else's heads. <laughs> I actually do love when Foden plays on the left for City because he doesn't really seem to like Cancelo. He doesn't. Now, Foden's problem this year is maybe not passing enough, but he, he definitely just doesn't like going back. He doesn't like that option, the backdoor option to a fucking fullback who thinks he can wear number seven and get away with it. Like, that <laughs> only works on Jack Grealish. And it's just great when Cancelo arrives getting excited and Foden just tries to take somebody else on because he doesn't want to, doesn't want to have to give up like that. The last WhatsApp one. Oh, Dougie brings it a day after having his ego massaged by Liverpool and Arsenal, does he? <laughs> yeah, the, the, this was the this was the frustrating thing um, about about Aston Villa and their transfer window as well. Like I was desperate for us to keep Douglas Louise by the end of it because I know that there's a player in there as well, and we've seen it. We saw it. Was it during Project Restart where he looked like the best midfielder in the league? It was unbelievable how good he was back then, and he he is a lot like a lot like Tyrone Mings. Like you know, you know he can be brilliant, but he can also be unbelievably frustrating because he'll do unbelievably stupid things. And Douglas Louise tonight was class, and maybe it is because he realised, geez, maybe I am good at football. Why the fuck would Liverpool and Arsenal want me if I wasn't? Maybe I'll just fucking play at my level. Yeah, he, he was really good. I was really impressed with him. It's ironic that it's a wings now, but it's probably where we were at with him. Um, I thought it was interesting. Like you say, I definitely didn't want to lose him, and I do know there's a player in there. Now, it's unfortunate that it probably means he's definitely gone now next year. Like he'll just let his contract run down, but maybe we can squeeze out um, milk, milk him for all his work for this next year. Um, and he probably well, he does need to play well, obviously, if he wants to move... In a summer transfer with with Liverpool and with Arsenal, unless they sell him in January, look, I'm talking about this too long now, but he, um, he's a good player who's very frustrating. A lot of people were on to me, a lot of Liverpool fans, desperate for a new midfielder, asking, what's this boy like? I was like, well, he's not he's not an upgrade on what you have at the minute. He hasn't hasn't earned a move to Liverpool. Like, he's not yeah. dominating for Aston Villa, never mind not being in the team. And, and the, the reality is... <laughs> Dundonker is more valuable to Aston Villa at the minute. Now, this Douglas Louise, brilliant. This Aston Villa structure, great. Let's see how it works against other teams as well. But before this game, I was thinking we need Dundonker more than we need Douglas Louise. And I thought that was a, a bad thing for him to, to sh- showcase how valuable he really is. 
Yeah, and we we knew this as well. Like it, it wasn't that difficult to work out. That's why it was really frustrating when McGinn was given the captaincy because Douglas Louise brings so much more balance to the team. We suspected on paper anyway that it would. It was never going to be. Didn't look like it was going to be given a chance. To having that, you know, six point five in there on the right of of Kamara, yeah. it just it's an extra it's an extra body that can play a bit of ball. He's not going to take as many risks as JJ, and he's not going to kick the ball away as often as John McGinn. Um, so it, that's what I, that's what I wanted to see. That's why I wanted to see him in there. And he also just has a little bit more, although there's not much there, a little bit more defensive noise, having been forced to play in the number six position. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Let's park that there, and we'll come back with the award categories. See you after this. I, I burst onto the scene, didn't I? And I was going to be the next best thing. Oh. Who, who was it said? There was an interview somebody recently and they said that he's always positive. It was Mika Richards. Hold on, I played for England at 18. Youngest ever defender to play for England. It was Mika Richards. He was talking on Sky Sports and he said he's always positive. Sometimes you wish he wasn't as positive. Like he almost he said he was too nice. Right. What do you think, Lord? I think Mika Richards should shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck has Mika Richards ever done for Aston Villa? <laughs> Dean, Dean Smith got Aston Villa promoted from 14th in the championship? Mika Richards was just there collecting 40 grand a week while that was all happening. (laughs) He's just brilliant. He's just top. What a guy to work with you are, honestly. Let's do a whistle-stop tour of the ULEC Glen Whedon take a 90th-minute penalty award because I want to talk about the coach that got away. John Terry is back. John Terry is not... He doesn't have a, a management job. That's never going to happen. He wants to play golf and and yeah, just just post stuff on Instagram the whole time. Like our manager at the minute, so probably not a good example. <laughs> um, he got in touch with Emmy Martinez publicly. Just replied to his tweet. Emmy Martinez turned thirty either yesterday or the day before. Happy birthday, Emmy John Terry. Happy birthday, heart emoji. Get the fucking boys together and put in a big performance at Villa Park this weekend. <laughs> And you know what? Just like the Stephen Gerrard complaint in WhatsApp when he says an age will, I thought, yeah, I'm going to slag John Terry for this as well. But maybe he was right. Maybe all that was required was get the fucking boys together and put in a big performance. And that's that's what happens. Like I was like, it's not as easy as that, John. What the fuck would you know? Maybe John does know. <laughs> but, no, but I spent the first five minutes of the show praising this this was the thing that was the biggest relief from the game it was the fact that the players looked like they cared it looked like they wanted to put in a big fucking performance it looked like they had gotten together bashed some heads around and spoke to each other in fucking real terms and said listen I know it's fucking shit at the minute but we can all fucking run still we've at least got a fitness program at the club even if we have nothing else so we can put that to use and we can run. We can run with intensity and purpose in both directions. So let's, <laughs> at the bare minimum, do that. 
Let's read John Terry's tweet together. Let's all get around the campfire and fucking sort ourselves out. <laughs> okay, let's do the Rossenthal Award. Starts off with Kyle Walker. He goes through far too easily as well. Um, and then I don't think Cancelo will like this. He's given a bad name to fullbacks everywhere. Like just how he approaches this chance. Like he lets it come across himself too much. He narrows his own angle. And then you think you think initially he's just deferring to Haaland. It's like, okay, maybe he's just waiting for Haaland to get into place. Then he waits some more. And then he looks again. Then he waits some more. And then he just fucking blasted a mile over the bar. And this this is a problem you're talking there earlier about players or people, fans watching clips on Twitter and looking at stats and that's how they watch football. Like Kyle Walker's in my fantasy football team. And honestly, my initial reaction was like, what the fuck are you doing? When I saw him blasted over, he's playing against Aston Villa. Imagine how gut-wrenching that would have been if a fullback had gone through and ripped the net. And there's a part of me in there that's like, put it in the net, what are you doing? It's like six <laughs> to five points for a defender to score a goal. You need to just start putting 50 quid on the opposition for every Villa game. Trying <laughs> try to make sure you get a bit of balance in your head there. Um, yeah, it was absolutely mental. And initially, I thought he was waiting for Haaland as well. And I was thinking, what are you, do you don't need to wait for Haaland? Just put the ball in the general direction in front of him and he'll get there first. Exactly. Wait for him to get into position. Yeah. yeah. And it's only five games of Premier League evidence, but all the evidence is that he just gets there before everyone when they think they're <laughs> going to get there. A um, couple of other like, chances for City. De Bruyne shot whistled by the post, which um, Jamie Carragher somehow managed to praise Steven Gerrard for because he used to do that 10 years ago in a different job as a player. <laughs> <laughs> Like he came here with an agenda. De Bruyne, lovely. Like maybe for the goal, I was you know just influenced by this lovely around the corner cross. Like one should have scored. It doesn't connect yeah. with. But then Villa's best chance to start off with. Ashley Young's on the pitch now at this stage, and he just bitches De Bruyne out of it. Gets the like gives him a head start. Goes back, gets the ball off him, and then he like whips it inside to Dougie. Purpose Dougie, good touch. Looks up, lovely pass around to Watkins. Watkins has stones lined up. Stones gets a block on it in fairness, almost goes into the bottom corner. Yeah, old man Young bringing all his experience to bear to beat De Bruyne in a foot race and to out-muscle him. Like, imagine, imagine running faster than someone who's faster than you and out-muscling someone who's stronger than you. You're the power of your mind. It's, like, it's what John Terry said. Just, just fucking want it. Like, that's all you have to do. You just need to fucking want it more. <laughs> Yeah, and he wasn't finished there either. He's also imparted his wisdom to the younger generations to show them how to complete a pass and in a forward direction as well. Like I'm surprised our little heads didn't explode. It was the first time we'd done anything progressive in the game. And it was a great ball as well. And then Douglas Louise uses John Stones' body to take John Stones out of the game. And it's it's all about it's all about what Ollie can do on his left, and he's normally a lot more clinical in those situations. But the really frustrating thing about that was that Ramsey and Bailey they need to finish the runs. They're standing there hanging around at the edge of the box. And it's a big problem with Aston Villa, and it's a big problem of forwards and attacking players that that they need to learn. You have to get into the box whenever your centre forward is getting dragged wide. Get into the box. You know Ollie Watkins is going to shoot, fair enough, so that might make you hold back a little bit. You're playing Man City, so you might think, oh, I'll stay back here. But there's only three attackers on the pitch for us, and we're attacking, and we're through on goal. Watkins (laughs) is going to shoot. Ederson might save it and might drop out, 
the two of them are just hanging back watching this all develop really yeah. frustrating finish your fucking runs yeah and you're dragging players back then as well and like don't worry you are like you are fit enough like you're fit enough to get back up the pitch if they want to go on a counter-attack and they don't we know like pep talks about it all the time they want to slow it down so you'll get a chance to get back don't worry um gosh this one was an all unbelievable refereeing decision Konza beats ederson in the air but the referee seemed to blow it he blew for a foul in the keeper before Eilers even jumped up. Like, Kanza wasn't even near. And he, he didn't touch him. Like, he just jumped up, won the header, and it bobbled around. But like, I think Gerard might have mentioned it afterwards, and he's bang on. Like, that's another example of why would they not just wait a few seconds? And then, if it is a foul, if they score a goal, if they do score a goal, then we'll, we'll look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the ball is so close to the goal line as well. So, you know, yeah. and, and it was moving in that direction. I mean, I, you can understand why he mightn't wait the three seconds because Philip Coutinho has moved a yard outside the box. But this time, just let it develop. Let's just see what happens. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, in fairness to Villa, like it is, it was three big chances in a row for them. Um, Ramsey is the next one and probably has to be the winner, really, doesn't he? He wins the ball really well, gives it to Watkins. Goes to the left initially. I was like, what are you doing? But like it probably worked out nice the way they split the run and confuse stones a little bit. Watkins goes right, Ramsey goes left, Watkins finds him. Ah, touches far too heavy, runs into Ederson. Ederson's off his line really well. As soon as as soon as the touch gets away from him, he, he reacts. But ah, he needs to be needs to be doing better there. Oh, it's a, it's a brilliant tackle though, initially. <laughs> <laughs> I almost finished that off by saying sorry, Liam. <laughs> And I I know you're confused by it, but he definitely does make the right run. It's he's about to run behind Watkins and go to the right, but he changes it to isolate Stones. That's yeah. always a good idea. And the <laughs> ball from Watkins, the ball from Watkins is perfect. But JJ's JJ's thinking about the finish, and as always happens when you're thinking about your second touch before the first, you cock up the first touch. Yeah. Like, I I would have been inclined there, especially if I was Jacob Ramsey, if I had his skill set to just open up my body and try to. Tried to whip it around Ederson early. And that's the most frustrating thing. The pass was so spot on that it allowed JJ to do whatever he wanted. Yeah. Just turns out what he wanted to do was shit the bed. Yeah, no, that's true. If he had been lining up the shot from before the pass, then he would have been ready to rock. But he just wanted to get the ball and then and then decide. But uh, No, he just wanted to get in on... Yeah, you're right. It was just a scramble. It was just a lack of composure that he did show them for the goal. So probably a good testament to his character look I'm giving you your due now that he was able to come back <laughs> he had to come back from that Kevin De Bruyne hit a free kick off the crossbar um, and then what's this one I have oh yeah it was uh, the Haaland right footed shot uh, it's like I think, I think Ramsey's tried to nick it away from De Bruyne in midfield and he just doesn't get there and that's all De Bruyne and easy goes from the halfway line all the way to the box Gives it to Haaland, right for a shot. And he's read it like a like an open book. And he's also saved one from Foden as well. Not long after that. Uh, Emmy, Emmy had a good day actually for this. Emmy had a good day without anything particularly spectacular. I, mean, I genuinely, there was a couple of moments where I was a bit worried. But by the time the, the end product came, it just wasn't there. I mean, even Haaland shot. Like Emmy catches it just by falling to his left. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't a great strike. JJ shouldn't be diving in in that situation. I mean, I know I'm saying to finish your runs into the box and stuff, but you know, don't don't run with that aggression whenever the ball is coming to Kevin De Bruyne and there's nothing but forty yards of space behind you. You can <laughs> you can be a bit clever there. Yeah, um, winner I take it is Ramsey. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> the 
Emmy Martin is is Ronaldo not taking a shithousery award <laughs> I've got three nominations here actually um, so the first one was Mings on Holland um, he won the ball initially I thought Mings is good tonight and then he has his arm around him for a little cuddle it's sort of they're sort of laughing together but then you can see Holland just lifting his hand off him then getting a bit annoyed and, and then the key thing here is that you can see Holland a bit rattled, which you know you don't really like because we've seen him respond to people before and just hammer down two or three goals in a couple of minutes and rub it in their face. But he's he really wants to prove a point now. He means like he's looking for the throw-in pass. I was like, all right, just can't buy me the ball come into you. Like we talked about Man City. It's going to get there. Um, but then Mings nicks it away from him and as they're sort of still hanging off each other you can see just in the left of the screen as the ball is going back up the pitch he just fucks him behind him now he doesn't manage to get him to the ground it's Erling Haaland but it's a very impressive throw and Haaland definitely didn't like it yeah it's Mings is obviously deciding that it's so easy for a human to trick a cybernetic organism because they're running entirely on logic that you don't understand irony or humor and it's very hard to write code for shithousery so mings mings plays on that and he gets in his head a little bit and yeah this is the thing you know your image of of erling Haaland is this just absolute monster this beast of a man who just covers the ground so quickly and then you see him stand next to Jerome Mings like we've got one yeah this is incredible the guy is absolutely massive and he was matching him stride for stride tonight he was stronger than him and he he had a really good game against the the scariest player in the league yeah no he definitely did um second nomination is i don't know if you noticed it but gerard telling the cameraman to go follow someone else afterwards <laughs> he just he followed him down to the whole thing he followed him over to Ashley young that's what they do like you know and then you could see him just pointing to the players away you know, go away like why are you like i know why you're following me i know i know sky you're now talking about me and talking about my job and talking about a reprieve and we're like will you piss off <laughs> i liked it and then the only other nomination i had was um and it's definitely the winner but it's emmy martin is celebrating to the crowd after picking up the ball <laughs> <laughs> Falls at his feet. Tyrone Mings comes in as well to make sure he doesn't fuck up this pickup. Haaland <laughs> eventually makes his way down. Emmy slowly bends down, picks it up, and then gives the fist to the crowd as if to say, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, lads. You've got me back here. You can trust me. Yeah, thank, thank God you said that. I thought you were about to nominate his pretend groin pull because that was, that was unbelievable acting. Yeah, I mean, everybody thought every, he was injured. Everybody thought he was It was just, even the way he's fought it through, like obviously we're not going to promote this, but Man City have essentially cheated by, you know, financially doping. So it's not that bad to, <laughs> to do a bit of cheating as well back towards them. So he, he, he gets the ball and he, he whispers something into Tyrone Mings' ear and Tyrone Mings taps him in the arse and runs by and then he throws the ball out of play, falls down and then the genius bit is that he just immediately starts saying, I need to come off. Yeah. So then everybody's bought into it. Like, this kid, this can't be time-wasting. He's about to be subbed off. It's incredible. <laughs> and everybody was bought into it. It killed about two minutes, which wasn't added on, despite the new rules. But sure, we know officials don't know the new rules. And he gets up, and then the next thing he does is absolutely launch one down the field to show to everybody that there's fuck all wrong with his groin. <laughs> Yeah, it gets brilliant. When it, when it comes to the Emmy Martinez shithousery award, there only is one man who can ever compete, and that's Emmy Martinez, really. So he is the winner once again. Congratulations, Emmy. Uh, the Peter Enkelman, what the fuck award. 
Douglas Louise rescues Matt Cash and Foden's sort of bombing in from the left, and I was nervous like, until Ashley Young came on because we've seen Cash, <laughs> we've seen Cash struggle with Foden before, of course, like a lot of people do, and like and the thing is about Foden, he, he takes you either way, and he went to the byline and he looked way faster until Young came on and decided he was faster than him. It was incredible. He was bombing past <laughs> Matty Cash. Decided <laughs> he was faster. <laughs> and, uh, and then Douglas Luiz comes along the end line, takes it off him brilliantly, and it's Foden, that amazing press from Foden. Douglas Luiz just plays a little cheeky ball along the end line. That's, that's taking Foden out of it. It's back to Matt Cash. Who gives it straight to Cancelo, who's, like, as we know, lines up at the corner of the box. Like, Cash is all the time in the world. He cleared us, and he's just... Man, his head must be scrambled. Maybe he was injured already at that stage, and he... The most pathetic clearance I've ever seen. It goes 15 yards out to Cancelo. Nothing happened, thank God, but fuck me. Yeah, it looked like he pulled his prefrontal cortex, not his hamstring. It was so (laughs) daft and really, really emblematic, actually, of the first 30 minutes from everybody on the pitch. You know, we were all over the place. We couldn't see Claret jerseys and anyone who had the ball just hacked it forward or aimed for the corner flag. And I I think I've mentioned this on on the podcast before, but do you remember that time we were we were playing a recreational game of seven aside in UCD and we were on opposite teams and you had to fall as the last man and you were being hounded by two lads and you were trying everything, step over, shuffles, dropping the shoulder, domain passes, doing really well to keep hold of the ball and you finally worked it out to a lad in your team and he just Peter Cade it down the pitch <laughs> right down my fucking throat and you looked up just to see the fruits of your hard work and I nearly miscontrolled the ball when you just shouted at your man just before I touched it I could have done that <laughs> and I just couldn't stop laughing and that was exactly the same what was the point of Douglas Louise playing that lovely little cheeky pass back in he could have just fucking yanked it up the pitch as well ridiculous but before that as well for Matty Cash to be to be outmuscled by Phil Foden is unforgivable. I mean, in, in the team sheet photos, Foden is trying the old pushing his biceps up with his fist trick. <sighs> that's that's where he's at physically. It's fucking pathetic. Yeah. The other nomination I have for the What the Fuck Award is and probably the winner is Ollie Watkins teeing up Rodri. <laughs> so I thought Watkins was good tonight, but Jesus, like he of all the people, well, we've seen Rodri spank them in as well, so there's nobody within the Man City team that you want to play a three ball to. So we can we can say that for certainty. Watkins controls the ball and then just plays a three ball to Rodri. And it's after good work holding it up. And it's good work from Ramsey, who does exactly what Matt Cash didn't do at that time. He wins the ball and he looks up and then he finds a player. And Coutinho's coming off Watkins as well. And Watkins ignores him, plays it to Rodri instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really bad time of the game as well. And given the last number of decades where I've supported Aston Villa, that was just me thinking, ah, here we go. It's always a fucking mistake that ruins a game like this. Luckily <laughs> enough, we got away with it. Yeah, well, congratulations, Ollie. You won the Peter Rankin and What the Fuck Award. The Tim Sherwood, we played two number 10s and bamboozled them award. With, with 4 3 3, with physicality, we had people. Out wide now. On another day, we can say it doesn't make sense that we sold wingers. If we're going to play this way, but that's fine. <laughs> it looked better. We looked more physical, and yeah, it was it was a much better setup. Yeah, absolutely, and it was something that we it was so obvious that we could have tried a long time ago as well. In, instead of just bouncing between those two formations that haven't worked in twenty games, and yeah, it it, it looked threatening. 
unbelievable. I'm sure the next nomination is probably playing JJ out wide. Yeah. Um, but Leon Bailey was Leon Bailey was brilliant as well, stretching the game. The very few times he touched the ball, he touched it well. He did the right thing. Um, and Jacob Ramsey out there was a was a masterstroke because it gave you the option of being tighter and driving from deeper as well. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And he was good at stages when we were attacking out wide, and then he drifted out in the second half. And it's a that is a double nomination for the next nomination is Ramsey playing out there initially, but then not taking him off, which he was worried he might have done. Took McGinn off, put Ramsey in the midfield, and that gave Ramsey a new burst of life, and obviously gave him a different point of attack. Gave City something different to think about, as well as Coutinho coming on to the left. And the reality is, Coutinho scored, so like he really should have been. He really should have been lauded for like Ramsey set up the equalizer from coming into midfield. Coutinho scored what should have been the winner for those changes that Gerard made after the initial changes to the team, which worked for the most part for most of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And the the switching Ramsey into midfield was I look obviously I thought it was obvious, but <laughs> but it 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 worked it worked really well. Like yeah, Ramsey having that energy in the last bit of the game when you're chasing a game as well to have anybody particularly somebody who's really good, who's willing to pick up the ball and drive at the opposition. Because that's what we love about Jacob Ramsey is that he'll always do the aggressive thing on the ball. It can be frustrating when it doesn't work out, but he just carries the team forward by himself sometimes. And it was, again, the same type. Yeah. It'll be interesting now, especially in this category going forward in the next couple of games, because... Gerard said afterwards, and it was nice. It was nice to hear him talking about looking. Like, he said, "Look at himself. Look, Gerard's young, right? So, like, when we're slagging him off and things haven't been good at all, um, it it's not saying that he might not get it right in his career. Like, you know, it's just that like this is not good enough right now for Aston Villa. We've taken action for people who are doing slightly better, so like, it's not good enough at the minute. But he's young, so he's going to keep learning, and it seems like he has been." having a bit of introspection and even his post-match press conference or interview it was just good to hear him I know we laugh at the that's on me thing but that whole idea of him is, is, is annoying really because it's not about you really mate I know you're in charge and there was definitely a lot more we and a lot more of him thinking that he's a facilitator and having to get things right, you know, rather than actually just be a personality, which might be all right when you're chatting to players about signing them who look up to you, but right now you just need to manage a team, <laughs> and and it, you know it's only a week and it's only an interview, but at least it's sort of in his conscience anyway. And he said he also said that sometimes you need to take nice bits away to bring real blood and thunder. So he's obviously talking about when the air continue or that fucking obsession he has with number ten. Um, as obviously that's what he thinks that he wants to do. And that's the nice things that he thinks he needs to attack. But it'll be interesting now to see him. I think he'll stick maybe with his shape and maybe with that type of team as well. Because, like, yeah, like Ramsey and Bailey can bring a bit more blood and thunder, but there's still players who want to attack, and there's still players who are really skillful and can attack in completely different ways with different attributes. So you're not really taking away that much from it. Um, and it will be now fascinating to see how that works going forward yeah so long as he doesn't fall into the classic trick of thinking he's fixed it now he's he's, he's yeah. stumbled across the system because what a, what a good manager what a proper manager will have in place is, is a 
is a way of playing that can adapt to different formations as well so that you can have this way that you want to play but you can switch the formation within that and the players won't have to react much but it will surprise the opponents and it will suit the opponents for yourself um a lot better but you've still got the same overarching system of play you've got the same you know the same fucking runs even as basic as that the same type of passing and he just he needs to he needs to figure that out and stop just dicking around with formations. Like yeah. that, the first step needs to be how you're asking for like going to play as a football team. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like no doubt, a lot of lot of work still to do, but a uh, good day today. So let's go into the Vyman meter in that spirit because I feel like the, even there was one of those weeks where we didn't even do a Vyman meter. That's how bad it had gotten. It was like let's just fucking get out of here. <laughs> 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 with nothing else to say uh, Ashley Young is, uh, has anybody has anybody ever gone up the Vyman meter so much <laughs> in one performance like oh my oh my Christ like genuinely great performance the stats are there to see as well if, if people didn't want to watch the game um, they're there like the, the tackles the duels the ground duels aerial duels the the possession stats the amazing stuff and I think it was Peter on Twitter who got in touch with us to say at 37, I was struggling to stand up from the toilet. I see young, <laughs> I see young giving the Brown a 10 yard head start before catching him and picking his pocket as someone else. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And you could even see, and I'm not trying to body shame anybody here, but whenever he was switching his jersey before he came on, you could see he's got a little bit of the the middle age spread there, beginning around the old around the old hips, which is what you'd expect of a man yeah. of his age. But it doesn't. It wasn't holding him back. It wasn't weighing him down anyway, based on how he fucking performed. It was brilliant. And Ashley Young has been really good for Aston Villa since we signed him. He's been an incredible signing. Um, like he's played in so many positions and he's played well every time he's gotten onto the pitch. He just brings even he brings a calmness even when he's intentionally being a cunt and he looks like he's angry. He's always he's always doing the right thing and bringing the right thing to the game that's needed and to the team that's needed, which is what you'd expect from somebody of his age and his football and intelligence as well. Yeah. Going up, Emmy Martinez, no doubt. Um, going up, Tyrone Mings. Like, yeah, this is this is in fairness, Tyrone Mings is, is in a real good streak. Um, like he was a miss when he was missing there as well. I know Cons and Chambers dealt all right. Um, under little pressure in the game that they were playing together, but um, Mings, like, yeah, he, t- he talked about his height. There was a a time there where there was a free kick. And I think Jamie Carragher said, "Well, like you know, Villa's walls massive," and I was like, "How could that be? Villa don't have a big team. It's just because Tyro Mings is just towering above everybody, and it looks massive because he's standing there taking up all the space. Like he's an unbelievable specimen, and yeah, like when he does get it right, it's fucking great, and he is getting it right more often than not at the minute." Yeah, I said this at the start of the season as well. It's a really fucking odd time in Tyrone Mings' Aston Villa career for him to have been dropped. (laughs) Because I thought he finished out the back end of last season in his best consistent run of form. Certainly the longest he'd gone without without any cock-ups. I mean, Villa were dreadful at the back end of the season, but fucking very little to none of it was to do with Tyrone Mings. And I, I thought it was completely baffling that he was dropped at the start of the year. And since he's come back in, since he's forced the manager's hand to come back in he's been he's been really really good yeah look at Dina um he's probably gotten a bit of criticism last couple of weeks I just thought it was good. So. yeah absolutely um it wasn't amazing going forward there wasn't much for him to do really obviously we're playing Man City but 
maybe just defensively really good. And we have seen that from him before as well. Uh, I think it might have been against City. He was really good, actually, the last time we played him. So uh, he's definitely going up from, from where he was at. Gerard's going up from where he was at as well. He was he was right down there. Uh, Ollie Watkins, like th- this guy. I mean, I feel like every time he goes up, we talk about the same things, really. <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> Watkins could be named after, like the Vimometer could be named after Watkins as well, like j- just for... Ah, uh, just a baseline he brings, and uh, out he gives you especially when you're under the pump. Like he just never tires as well. The man never drops his levels. Like I would love to see whatever data they look at you know, when they decide to take players off and they go into a red zone and stuff. Like he's obviously doing more running and exerting more energy than all other players, but he never goes into that red zone. His his conditioning must be off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. So many high intensity runs as well to get onto rubbish passes around the corner. So much physical pressure on him as well all game because he's not as big as Stones and Diaz. And yeah. it's just, it's constant. And it's constant running. It's constant short shuffles. It's constant swinging elbows, moving people out of the way. I don't know how he does it. I don't, I, and I definitely don't know how he does it for 90 minutes. It's incredible. And not only that, to be playing with that intensity, but having the quality as well. Like, what's the first thing to go when you're tired? You fucking touch. Yeah. Never leaves Holly Watkins. Yeah. Great, great fella. <laughs> great fella. Um, let's do a couple of going down before we go back to a bit of positivity. The John again, I think. Like, this is four games in a row now. He's come off, so he needs to, he needs to stop that. He needs to do something about it. Like, he, I want him to to not want that to happen. Like, we were all happy to see him come off. That shouldn't be the case. He's the captain. And he's John McGinn. And the, the, the Vima meter's made for John McGinn. Like, the old John McGinn, the all-action John McGinn. I don't know what's going on at the minute. He's, he's very... Yeah, he's just very still in his performances. Like, not, not not in a good way, actually. That would sound like he's he's a steady hand, but he's not. He's just... Uh, he's just meh, isn't he? Oh, I, I thought it was a lot worse than that. He, like, he looked like he had 10 pints and then tried to tried to eat a kebab with one hand without the wrapper on it. It was a fucking mess. His, his, mind, his mind scrambled. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't... He doesn't... He can't make decisions. His games are just moving too fast for him. He can't see the woods for the trees. Like, he's so he's so deep in the woods that the quickest way for him to get out would be to let evolution run its course and for him to revert back to a primate. Although I think that fucking process has already begun. His mind is completely gone. And, like, I, and I think he's been mad for a long time. <laughs> we wouldn't have to be a long time listener of the podcast to know that. But it's like the the, the captaincy, pe- people are talking about the captaincy weighing on him. I don't think it is. I think it's just drawn attention to it. It's drawn yeah. attention to John McGinn. And I think it's actually drawn attention to John McGinn in his own mind as well. And it is affecting him because you're right. It's not just, it's not just his quality on the ball. It's not just his, you know, defensive noise being not there at all. It's, I don't think he is running as much. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but it doesn't seem like he is. It doesn't seem like he's got the same energy in his legs. Something's amiss, but I think it's been a miss for a lot longer than the captaincy would let you believe. Yeah, there was one thing you're talking there about his his head and his decisions. There was there's one moment I don't know if you remember. It was his first half. He gets the ball. Villa like hanging with Dinya gives to him, and he just stop. He always stops, and I, I, I'm really conscious of repeating myself. You know about when I'm not moving on the ball, but he looks up because all he wants to do then is just float it. 
and he's obviously looking at Watkins. He obviously decides he's not free, and then someone comes into him, and then McGinn skips around him out towards the sideline, and the ball's about to go out of play, and he fucking lumps it up anyway. So, like, that, that even that's just a... Uh, we're talking there about, like, you know, Matt Cash's clearance after Douglas Louise could have done it. John McGinn it was in a better position. He could have moved with the ball. He could have looked inside. He could have played it from the central channel when Watkins' initial run was there. But instead, he puts himself under pressure, which is what he does with the way he's playing at the minute. Takes it to the sideline and fucking hits it anyway. And she's like, that's not what we need from me. And it's not what we're actually, in fairness, well, tonight anyway. We're not getting that from anybody else, everybody else. After the first 15, 20, 30 minutes, maybe, they were way more composed. And McGinn never did bring that composure. Yeah, and and it's in it's it was in stark contrast to the to the other players in the team. Then after you know, Kamara, Dougie, Jacob Ramsey, they get their foot in the ball and they they think about who they're going to pass it to. I mean, even if you go back to the Arsenal game, I, I can barely remember John McGinn on the ball tonight. And in the Arsenal game, the only three things I can remember him doing is hoofing one in the first half on the volley over the top, and Watkins got onto it, so it it turned out to be a good ball. Turning one around the corner to Ben White. And playing one back to Gabriel Jesus to send them free on goal. There's the three passes I can remember our captain and centre midfielder playing against Arsenal. Tonight, I can't remember one. Going down, Sky Sports, we've already had this fucking discussion as well. Showing 25 seconds of a replay so we could get to the point, finally get to the point through this replay where Haaland acrobatically threw himself into the air and failed to connect with the ball. <laughs> I want to come from left to right and Holland like it's gone behind Holland and he just throws his legs back and and this is what like they were talking about it building up they were showing the first cross they got it wrong whoever was obviously operating the replay and we had to sit and watch the game was happening you could hear the crowd <laughs> and we had to just sit through this to watch Holland not connect with the ball he's just like yeah it did look impressive this big lump going horizontal in there but it wasn't impressive what he tried to do as a footballer like of all the things Holland has done well that wasn't it yeah, but Haaland's the story, Conan. Yeah. Nothing to do with Aston Villa here. This is all about Erling Haaland. It's the only thing that was being talked about in the build-up. It's the only thing that's been talked about since his two hat-tricks. It's Erling Haaland. Fuck Aston Villa. The only, you know, Steven Gerrard might get sacked, but, you know, he's not playing at the minute, so everything else has to be focused on Erling Haaland. Yeah. Going up. We're talking about Douglas Louise. He's going up. Kamara's going up. I think... In- the best thing I can say about Douglas Louise, I think Kamara seems to like playing alongside him. Like he seemed a bit more dynamic, and he was <laughs> maybe you don't want this, but he seemed to be coming from behind a few times. As well, with a couple of little uh, tackles that he was picking people's pockets with, he seemed a bit more active. And again, that's what I mean that you maybe you don't want. You maybe want them just steady at number six, but he was firefighting along the way, and they just seemed to come out with the ball a lot. To, yeah, I think Kamara's been good this season. Oh, he's been he's been really good. Um he's been one of our best players in a quieter way than you would maybe expect for one of your better players but in exactly the way you would expect a defensive midfielder to be one of your yeah. better players one of the unsung heroes Conan um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely does like playing with Douglas Louise because it gives the team more balance you'll like this one going up Jacob Ramsey oh controversial I would say <laughs> would he the chance is so big it's so glaring um and well, Andy, Vyman, the ball. Andy Vyman missed those chances as well sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And like you said, it is testament to his character. Not that there was ever any question around his character. I mean, 
the the goals he scored as a nineteen year old centre midfielder show you how clear headed that, that man is, and the way he came back whenever he moved into midfield, the way he carried the game forward. Yeah, absolutely. What am I talking about? Of course, it's not a question. <laughs> Yeah, going up Leon Bailey, like, do you know what, I, like, I, was going, I was thinking of Kanza there as well, because I didn't notice Kanza, which I always love, I, love, I just love when you notice the centre-half, especially against City. Um, yeah, so like, it was a good night, a lot of people going up. I've got one sitting on the fence, I'm not sure where you stand on it, if it's going up or going down, Pep Guardiola's shirt. <laughs> like, I like it, I like it, I'll give you the case, like, we, we, we've seen Pep Guardiola look like a fucking scruff coming out of a hoodie, coming out of a baggy t-shirt, wearing his combats, and he's trying a shirt tonight, I don't know if it really worked with the trousers, but, um, yeah, he's, he's trying something. You're you're really going to need to start a new TVP fashion podcast, fucking <laughs> drop, drop it on a Tuesday morning and fucking drop me as your guest as well, but... <laughs> So, some parting words or some advice before you launch it. A pristine white formal shirt paired with a pair of fucking cargo pants is never a good look. And it's made it's made worse if you don't have a belt on your cargo pants and if you don't know how to fold a fucking collar of a shirt properly. <laughs> and there we'll leave it. Yeah, going down, <laughs> going down my taste in fashion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, almost there. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Um <laughs> Is could there be a more miserable football existence than Brendan Rogers right now? <laughs> I like this is like I, I get depressed thinking about him. Like he, this is like, he wanted the Arsenal job. Let's be real. Like he thought he was going to get it on numerous occasions. He's not getting that job anymore. Nobody wants it. <laughs> Nobody wants him to come anymore. He's not getting the United's job anymore. Like the days of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being in charge of United when. Brandon Rogers was a live possibility because it was a genuine improvement from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Solskjaer's not in charge of United anymore. <laughs> Don't think he's going to get the Chelsea job. Like they're, they're all our managers now, just impressing with worse teams and worse, uh, you know, like worse circumstances than Brandon Rogers. I know it's not great, and it is shit. Like it really, like the team's still good, but I'm looking at it being like it's the same team, only it's a little bit worse as well. It's just, there's just no freshness there. Ah, like it all just seems very stale. He seems very stale. I already look at his other, you know, jobs. It seems they lose the effect after a few years anyway. They didn't have as good a season last year. Like, if I was Brent Rogers, I would love the chance to try and prove that I can come back from one of those little dips and you know, do it with Leicester, who are obviously a good team, and they will again have good transfer kitty when they're allowed to. But... I just don't think he's going to make it. I don't think he's going to make it that far. Yeah, I, uh, every time I think of Brendan Rodgers, I'm always surprised he lasts more than three days in a job, to be honest. <laughs> do, do you know when you're sitting in the staff canteen and the friendly pain in the fucking hole comes in? It's all you can think is, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, can, can you imagine being a Leicester player and you're in the gym and you're you're on the leg press no, you're on, you're on the bench press. Like, imagine Jamie Vardy is lying down, James Madison is spotting him, and in walks Brendan Rodgers. Like, Vardy's obviously fucked here because we all know Madison is walking away. He's getting the fuck out of there. He's holding his hamstring. He's pretending he's off to the physio. And fucking Rodgers is just standing over Vardy now, clapping every rep without moving his left hand. St- standing above him. You, you can do it, Jamie. I've always said you can love many days without water, but not a second without hope. 
you can do this. Fucking pain in the hole. <laughs> do you know, I, I've just been thinking about him a lot over the last couple of days and you know, hearing a few more of the interviews and stuff like that. And I just thought, like, it's, maybe it's the buzz of the Arsenal or nothing documentary, which it will give me thoughts on in due course. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, I'm definitely going back and watching being Liverpool. If nobody has watched that, like they should. Like it is a, oh my god, it's 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 unbelievable how bad Brendan Rodgers is and how terribly he comes across and how geeky he is. Like for example, when you said Jamie Vardy's on the bench press, um, James Madison spotting him for some reason. When you said Brendan Rodgers walks in. And he didn't do this and be in Liverpool, but all all the image I had was Jamie Vardy lying down on the bench, and then Brendan Rodgers putting one leg at either side of the bench and basically he's giving him a lap dance, not not actually coming down <laughs> to give him, not coming down to give him a lap dance, but just standing over him, just just has that presence, that that irritating, too close for comfort, too giddy presence. He just just back off, just give me a second. <laughs> And that is where we'll leave the podcast <laughs> with that imagination. <laughs> with that image. <laughs> with that image in your imagination. Um, yeah, news on the TVP Thursday. Thanks for everybody listening to it. I'm not going to be here for this Thursday show. Really sorry about that. Um, it's the first of nine million holidays. No, look, I didn't take a holiday in the summer. So you weren't, we weren't podcasting for anybody to realize that it wasn't holiday in. So we're <laughs> just away for the week and back for the Leicester game, but it might be Sunday. But look, we'll talk about that on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter if you're not uh, following us on the Villa podcast. Um, and we'll see you next weekend. And hopefully, hopefully, we can get a good result against Leicester and we can start talking about new things and we can start taking this mother in the right direction so <laughs> we'll chat the next week no show on Thursday see you at the weekend all the best that wind is calling my name and I won't wait or I'll never get on planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.